0: you get stuffed with ravioli.
1: If your mama's a paisano, you will
0: have the world on a plate. So see that you're born in an Italiano and your life will be great.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm John Viola, getting to spend some time with my two great friends, the notorious P.O.B., Patrick O'Boyle, and the one and only Miss Rosella Rago. And, folks... Today is a little bit of a sad one. So, guys, as much as I love being together with two of my best friends in the world, pour yourself a glass of wine. This is, in my mind, something like, I guess, that, what do they say, an Irish wake, Pat, when you sit around and drink and memorialize the dead?
0: Um, <laughs> that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, Wait,
1: like, Italian wake, we sit around and eat cookies and drink wine and memorialize the dead?
0: No, they yeah. don't. Not, They're not, not the that, same drinking. No, Italians are not supposed to. I'm a modernized an Irish awake would include alcohol.
2: But like, you know, telling stories, telling stories about the departed and uh, memorializing them and sort of fun conversation as much as you can. Good memories and whatnot, because for me, there is some sense of passing in the news that came out a few weeks ago, about two weeks ago, maybe now that as of October 15th, which is just a little over a month away from today, there will no longer be an Alitalia in the skies between. Italy in the world and uh I'm taking this thing I don't know about you guys but I am taking this thing very very hard. I know that sounds weird to see an airline get retired.
1: It's probably because of all the nonnas that stole silverware from Alitalia back in the day. They can't, God uh, God they isn't can't...
0: that isn't or... that the truth? <laughs> if there ever was a truer thing said on this show I'd love to know.
1: I went to the house in Italy. I opened the drawer, and it's like – I was like, did you friggin' register for, uh, at Alitalia when you got married? <laughs> like, it's, you got the whole set. You got a set for 12 people, of the silverware.
2: Oh, come on. Tell me, tell me honestly. You guys never took anything off. I have so much stuff I clipped off Alitalia. I mean, maybe I am responsible too, but the last time I flew Alitalia – oh, gosh, it's been a while now. Uh, I think I even walked out with the blankets. Of course you did. I know it's horrible to admit, but I don't know. Having that little A on everything, I just loved it. I, I mean, I have a keychain in front of me at my desk now. I'm looking at it. I mean, I, I it says uh, crew.
1: When my dad was vice president of Telecom Italia, he used to fly business uh, and first a lot. You know, for so He used to go to Italy like three, four times a year. And he used to bring me. This is how cheap Italian dads are. My gift from like the, the business trip was like the first class little pouch of stuff that they give you. <laughs> on Alitalia.
2: I love those.
1: Do you have any idea how many crappy Alitalia toothbrushes I have? <laughs> I'm 34 years old. Do you know how many I have of those like crappy, like horrible, like hard toothbrushes that Alitalia used to give you?
2: Yeah, but I'll tell you what, now they're gonna be collectible. They'll be on eBay in a couple of weeks.
1: I know. I should give you the entire collection to start like the Alitalia eBay, <laughs> you know, shop.
0: Well I mean what what used to come in those bags?
1: It was like the toothbrush, a little tiny toothpaste, like uh, little packets of, or, or like a little bottle of lotion, um, perfume, like a tiny spritz of perfume. They were cute, you know, for a little girl, like that was like, oh my God, what did he even give me? Now that I realized, I was like, wow, he really uh, couldn't buy any gifts.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I remember when Ali will tell you. Couple of years ago, did like its rebirth because it, it's been in bankruptcy a million times. It's the first time,
0: right? It's, it's ever- all no. It's all, if any corporation ever cried wolf.
1: <laughs> it's like the way Italians say goodbye, right? Like you know, you can't. <laughs> first goodbye. It takes us like three hours to say goodbye. So they're like, okay, we're out. And it's like, no, but now we're back. Ay, okay. Come on. Let's try it again. Now it's like, we're done. That's it. We got to go.
2: Yeah. They finally closed the car door on this one. But I, I mean, it's been yeah, it's been a couple of bankruptcies and they have kind of come back and forth. But I do remember the last time they went through this, I was still at NIAF, and they were one of our supporters for events and stuff, and we had been working on the expo and getting all these companies out, and it was a lot of negotiation. I actually did meetings at their headquarters with, like, their president and stuff, and I remember one of their, like, big things in the rebirth, because it's so Italian, right? So much of Italia that we love and are here to memorialize today (laughs) is really aesthetic and figura. It's like the service still stunk. They still lost your luggage a ton, and Pat, I'm thinking of us. Uh, my stuff in Palermo and things like that, but the aesthetic was always improving, and they had some designer come, I think it was Armani or something, and like redo the uniforms and redo the first class and all new frete linens and the kit that they were given out at that point, because I flew for work, because when I was at NIAF, they gave me this card, this Alitalia-like secret VIP card, and I would basically like get a free flight and uh, I could use my own points and stuff to upgrade. So I, I was getting either, you know, they didn't have a first and a business. They only had the Magnifica. That was all they had. They had that and premium economy and economy. So it wasn't that expensive to upgrade to the Magnifica. And you got, you know, the lay down bed and all this stuff. And the kits they were given had like, you know, um, I think it was Salvatore Ferragamo by the end. They were given out Ferragamo toothbrush. And all, it, was, it was quite nice. But again, it's all Italia, So a lot of the nice stuff was the aesthetic stuff. And uh, the service was what it was. But with this little card they gave me for NIAF, they would pick me up at the gate.
0: Wow. Did they really?
2: Yeah.
1: Did they ever, like, steal anything out of your luggage? (laughs) You hear about, like, the luggage, like, not arriving. But, like, it must have been around, like, 2004 through 2008 or so. There was, like, a really big problem with, like, if the luggage did arrive, it would, like, always arrive, like, half empty.
2: Wow, I never heard that,
1: oh yeah, one time my mom got her luggage five days after she arrived, and it was so light the guy could like hold it over his head, and it was they took like such random crap, like well, my mom had brought like Barbie dolls from America, like cases of chewing gum from from Costco and whatever, but like they took crazy they took like one of her shoes, they took her underwear. <laughs> They took my mother's underwear.
2: Where was this? In Rome?
1: So that year we had connected through Milan, but it was always El Italia.
2: Wow. I never heard that. I did have them lose luggage a couple of times. Pat and I were in Italy one time for a thing, and I had picked up for the order. This is going to sound wacky, but if you listen to our show, you know we're whacked out. I had picked up our ceremonial uniform for the Constantinian order, which comes with this ceremonial saber.
0: How many people get to say ceremonial saber <laughs> well, in a podcast?
2: Well, the real question is how many people had to figure out how to say it in Italian because, as Pat will recount, I get to the airport. It's a plastic sword. I mean, the, the handle's metal. It's very nice, but this, the, there's no blade. The blade is silver plastic, and uh, they won't let me take it on the plane, obviously, and it's not, a, not cheap, and so I'm like, okay, well, I got to check it, so they send me to – you know, in, in the Italian airports, they have those people – who wrap your stuff in green saran wrap. It's like a big business there, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, you see it, like, spins the suitcase around and wraps it in, in saran wrap because, you know, yeah. that'll protect
2: <laughs> Yeah, that that's how you know people are going through your luggage when you send it underneath. So I have to go and have this ceremonial sword, Spada ceremoniale, in case anybody's wondering, wrapped in green saran wrap and put under the plane, and they guarantee me, no, no problem. Sen- yeah, of course, Senora Viola, it's okay, it's okay. And sure enough, we get off. I don't remember where we landed, Pat. I think we were in Palermo or something. And uh, we waited for a couple of hours, and that thing was just not turning up. We flew from Rome to Palermo, I think. And uh, then it never turned up, and they couldn't track it, and it had made it to Palermo but disappeared in Palermo. So Pat and his brother Anthony and I spent the rest of the trip convinced there was some Donna Alitalia employee spreading butter on their morning. No, no,
0: no, no. That was for a barbecue. That's right. That that would have been like a shish kebab kind of rotisserie. But remember, there were three swords, three spada ceremoniali on that trip. Yours, mine, and my brother's. But only one got lost out Italian. That's true. Because me and my brother knew better. Yeah. I knew the minute I saw that sword of yours, you're like, no, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> the minute I saw that sword get wrapped and taken away, I knew we'd never see it again. Yeah, you're right. I knew that somebody was going to be cutting, a, I don't know, a lamb with that, you know, <laughs> serving an Easter lamb or goat or whatever they're going to have. Or, I mean, they don't do Thanksgiving turkey, but if they did... It would be the best. <laughs> I'm sure that your spada ceremoniale would have been the cutting device. Yeah, it,
1: there was always like... The- Strange thinking, feeling like you don't know unless you were like Italian and you were flying Alitalia and you know you had to hand something over to like one of the agents because like they they the, your suitcase is overweight so they may just take a bunch of crap out and redistribute it. Because, like, they wanted, like, either a bribe or they were going to charge you some ridiculous amount for being overweight. And then, like, you know, you go and you buy, like, uh, the another duffel bag at the, at the airport that costs you $150 anyway. And you got to, like, put all the, like, crap that you took out of your other suitcase in it. And you hand it over. And it's just that sinking feeling. Like, you know you're never going to see this again.
2: Alitalia was the only airline you knew you could actually – I hate to say this, but it sounds hard. But you could actually bribe somebody to let you take the luggage overweight. I did that once. I had a. I had to be 30, 40 pounds overweight. I had all my work stuff and all the books. Whoa, paid. whoa!
0: You guys are getting rough.
2: No, it's true though. I, I, I they, I, they ended up like I basically said like, well, what, what would I have to pay? What's the fee? Whatever. And when they gave me the kind of like wink, wink fee in cash, and like, oh, it's a, it's a Jordache bag, or you know, it's a Toomey bag. In that case, it's a, and they just put like a different sticker on, and under it went. It was like nothing.
1: My dad used to get so mad when they were overweight and we were like taking the stuff out at the check-in gate and stuff. And he used to scream and pace and be like, this is so embarrassing. He's like, <laughs> solo le zingare fanno queste only co- uh, gypsies, this, this kind of stuff. It was just like the ultimate Italian dad shaming for the luggages being overweight. Like there was just no, I, I never felt like worse about myself <laughs> than when I had the check-in <laughs> luggage when I was flying with my parents.
2: It, it always was an adventure. That's the thing I think I'll miss about Alitalia is everything was an adventure. The personnel. I remember landing in Rome one time and our luggage wasn't coming out and it was like a good long while. Like everybody else was gone and my brother who was probably like 12 at the time actually climbed on the belt at the luggage thing. Like walked right back to where they were. This is before September 11th obviously. And was he was gone for like five, six minutes. And then all of a sudden he came back with our luggage. It was just sitting out there and he just like pulled, nobody said anything to him. Nobody stopped him. He just climbed through the belt, came out with our luggage. It was like, no questions asked.
1: That's amazing.
2: That's all Italian to me.
1: Well, yeah, but then, so whenever you would connect, like anyone who's Southern stuff, you know, you fly into Rome and then you got to connect and do your connecting flight. You have to walk, you know, the, the 12 miles in the desert that is the Rome airport and get people like southern connection area of the airport and do this like half hour flight and then once you got to like your final destination that's where like your luggage is and then you know nine out of ten times it, it didn't come out and then the office in like wherever the hell you are like in in, in bari palese or in palermo sicily that is like the ninth circle of hell because <laughs> you're in that room where it's like bagagli Mariti. and then you got this guy with, like, this fabulous tan, like, typing with one finger. And he's like, but, okay, where are you staying? What is uh, the address? And you know he's definitely, like, going to copy it down wrong and stuff. And he's, like, so over with There's, like, 18 people behind you. And then, like, I remember one time the girl came back. It was him and another girl working. And when the girl came back to, like, relieve him, he was like, "Ah, pranzo, finalmente. And then this girl comes you know, that you spent a half hour talking to this guy and then like, you know, this other girl, she's like, okay, where are you staying? And you're like,
2: <laughs> oh, oh,
1: the rage.
2: I mean, look, you can complain about a lot of airlines and Alitalia gets a lot of complaints. I think that that's, that's safe to say. And it was, it was a, you know, it was a state run for the majority of its existence airline. It started 1946, 47, right after the war. It's been like I said, up and down in its economic status, it's been bankrupt a couple of times, always looking for new partners, and there was always that sense that this was like a state run entity, even as it slowly privatized. but no matter what you had to say about the lack of function, the lack of service, the lack of organization, I think there's a huge contingent of italian Americans, Italians in australia canada uh around the world who are really going to be mourning the passing of this airline because it was our umbilical route home. You know, I've flown to Italy on a lot of different airlines, especially in the past few years for work uh, when you're really, you know, tight-scheduled and trying to find the, the best way possible to get where you gotta get, but there was just always something different about doing it with Alitalia, and I think that that's what's really shaking me so much.
0: It's a national airline. Yeah. yeah but in a real national sense. Like, the fact that they could be moved to misread a weight on a suitcase is what made them Italian. Yeah. Right? That's exactly what made them Italian. Totally. So if someone I might know might have brought about 183 pounds of silverware from Italy to know, <laughs> um,
2: I may know someone who remembers that, I think.
0: I think they brought 24. They had a set of uh, a service for 24 with 12 different sets of spoons, knives, and forks. Right?
1: First of all, who the hell invites twenty four people?
0: I don't know, but this person might have said you never know who's gonna come. This, <laughs> this, this person told me the story. So this person had about I think it was 183 pieces of silverware, multiple bottles of wine, oil, um, sod, stuff they should not have they should have known better as good Americans, not to bring this stuff to the US. But nevertheless they did. But when they were boarding out Italia, they put the uh the suitcase on scale. And the girl who was checking in for our Italia went berserker. You can't bring that. And this person told me that they got all emotional and they told the girl behind the counter that that was for their mother, that their cousin in Italy was sending something to their mother. And she was very old and she was very sad and wanted to make sure her cousin got 183 pieces of brand new stainless steel for the house. And the girl from our Italia might have just waved and said, ah, don't worry about it. Yeah. That's the beauty of Italian. Yeah. So maybe somebody took a tip when they saw the Jewish bag. And maybe someone also said the plane might go down with all the silverware. But how can I not let this lady's trousseau get across the border? (laughs) So true. So, you know, it it, it was an Italian airline. Someone said this that was very true. They said that if you were on like um, British Airways, that the the wait, I don't know if you call wait staff, the, the crew. What's the correct, politically correct word now for a steward? You can't say the atten- steward. The
2: at- attendance.
0: Flight attendants. Okay. The flight attendants could be very, they were always very polite. Very chipper and very polite on BA. Right? And in our Italian, they were cranky.
1: They were cranky Italians.
0: They were cranky Italians. Right? Don't bother me. I, why do I have to work to be paid the whole nine yards? <laughs> but then, if you spilled a glass of wine on yourself i on British Airways, the flight attendants would flip out. Like, how dare you spill wine on yourself, you you sloppy person. And I have to help you clean, You're very annoyed. But that when you did it on Italian, all of a sudden all the cranky flight attendants on Italian all became Italian mothers. And that <laughs> instantaneously seltzer water and like all kinds of cleaning products would come out, and then a team would all go from nasty and cranky to very, oh, we'll get this out, don't worry. And your shirt would be miraculously cleaned. That's how Italia. It is an airline that reflected Italy's dysfunctional personality. That's why we mourn it.
2: You're so right. I mean, look, they're going to reopen a new national carrier, right? Which is going to be completely state-owned. Which so that I don't know what that says about the potential for service. But on October fifteenth, when Alitalia ceases to exist, for the many, many times it has gone through this, this really is the final uh, requiem. And that same day, a new airline, ITA Italia Trasporto Aereo, is going to open up, and it's going to own. I wouldn't say a majority, a portion of Alitalia's berths at certain national airports. It's going to own some of their routes. It's going to own some of the equipment, but it's going to be rebranded, a new look, a new everything. And when that day does come, sure they'll they'll be Italians there. You know, they'll get the same sort of I hope consideration, cacophony, uh, intimacy that that you got at Alitalia. But the truth of the matter is, I think for me, Alitalia is always going to be the byproduct of its deep history, because you know, born after the war from the conglomeration of a couple of regular Italian uh, domestic and, and international airlines, it is the national carrier. It has been the national carrier. It was government-owned for such a long time. It was known from the 40s on as the Frecciolata, the the winged arrow that was their old logo, and the the planes were, you know, especially in, in the post-war period, considered so fast. And then as jet aviation takes off in the 50s and 60s, it combines at the same time with Italy's economic boom and the miracle and La Dolce Vita and all of this, like, uh, sense of Italy as an international destination. And Alitalia becomes really a very cool brand internationally. And, you know, in the 1960 Olympics, the the whole world focuses on Rome and Alitalia is there bringing people, giving them that sense of Italianità from the first step in at the airport, you know, at the gate right through to when you finally land in Rome. And this boom in tourism to Italy that that comes from around the world, it coincides with the growth of Alitalia, the growth of the great golden age of jet air travel. I, I think people were really, really tied to this as a familiar, cool, welcoming, and Italian experience. I mean, somebody was saying to me, like, if you think about the post-war period and what it meant for Italy... What else is tied in there? Fiat, Nutella, you know, Pat, you always say the the rye Italy. Alitalia was right up there as one of the signature pegs in that tent, you know? And don't forget, too, like, this was the Pope's airline. Since 1964, this was the airline that the Pope took everywhere he went around the world. And, you know, John Paul II was the most traveled Pope in history. So you always saw him getting off that Alitalia with that red and green A on the tail fin. I mean, this is... This is so deeply tied to Italy, I, I think, for me and for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Alitalia is absolutely synonymous with Italy. It was Italy's airline. It was just uh, the way you went everywhere, and like, you know, recently they had they have Ryanair, they have like a bunch of like little ones. I think um, they they have these like little airlines like Meridiana, like Eurofly. Meridiana has gone.
0: Eurofly. I think they're both gone. Am I correct? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So Alitalia, despite all their problems, like outlasted everyone. You know, they did the Italian goodbye a few times, but they always (laughs) came back. And now it's like I'm having a hard time believing that this is really the end. But I guess it is.
2: Yeah, there's a part of me that hopes that if this ITA takes off at some point, they'll like buy back delivery and at least bring back the look and feel of Alitalia. Because, you know, I mean, look, it it wasn't the best meal you're going to have, but you could at least say the food was distinctly Italian. You know, you, you knew that there was like thought going into it. You knew that the objects on the plane were aesthetically Italian. And th- I don't know. It, it just, for me, I'm with you, Ro. I kind of hope beyond hope that maybe there's a revival like the Beatles, you know, <laughs> everybody always hoped they'd get back together. Maybe. No, maybe they, I mean, they're not, they're not, I
0: mean, somebody might come one day and, and use that. The brand. I mean, somebody might buy the brand in the future. But I think it's very safe to say that Alitalia is gone because the Italy it represents is really gone. Wow, that's very profound. Yeah. You know, it's the Italy of the leader. Yeah. I remember distinctly flying to Italy. It had to be the summer of 1991. And Alitalia had a channel, like a radio channel, when you would get the earphones and listen. And it was Sanremo. And all those Sanremo songs I love from the 90s are because I would hear them for the first time on Alitalia going to Italy in the summer. If I went to Italy in the summer, I would hear those songs because um, now everyone, I mean, the internet just changed everything. But when in Northern New Jersey, before Rye International became a 24-hour cable channel, you would receive uh, two hours of, Italian television on the UHF. And besides that, that was on your only access to Sanremo or when the the CDs or the the cassettes would be done and you could buy them. So that would kind of lay those um, Sanremo songs for that particular year. So Sanremo would happen at the end of February, beginning of March. The songs that won the Sanremo song contest would be on a specific channel of all Italian. Wow. And to me, that always it was like, "Oh wow!" Right? I remember. I, I could tell you what year it was. It was Porta Mia Ballade that was that was playing because it was on like a repeat track. It was like thirty songs, and the whole time it could come on that 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 one song. I guess that's ninety one. You could probably look it up. But um, it was in Itali- Italy, where an espresso was five hundred lira, where everyone was dressed up, where only Americans wore shorts. Yeah. It was a very different Italy. And Alitalia kind of had that classy, you might have more money, but we have more class Italy. Yeah. Where the flight crew was dressed to the nines. You know, I always felt that Alitalia had inherited the mantle of the Italian cruise liners of the 60s.
2: Wow. You're really dropping bombs today. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right.
0: That makes so much sense. And I often say it was around 2008 that the Italy of class began to die. The real Italy of class, right? The guy, you know, like where, you know, the streets were filled with guys with double-breasted suits and, and hat, you know, that that kind of classy Italy. And that's why I feel Alitalia exists as a brand of a national airline of a country that's dead. So true. I, if you take the luggage tags, Alitalia had great luggage tags.
2: Yes, the best.
0: Because it was Italian. It was, you know, Italy's great at design, right? And Alitalia... Um, their efficiency was Italian, but their, but their design was also Italian. Why were people clipping their silverware? Because it was stylish. Yeah. And I just feel, um, I don't know, that Italy's not there anymore. It will come back one day. I don't know. I'm not Nostradamus. I don't walk around with a crystal ball, but I don't mourn it because I don't feel it was the airline that I knew. Because Sanremo is horrible now. Yeah. I mean, I remember I was in Italy in march of 2001 and i was thrilled i was there on spring break i was in law school i was very happy to be in italy that i could watch the sanremo song festival live and even then it had changed the sanremo of the 90s produced andrea bocelli and laura pausini i mean i think i mean i think sanremo has become horrific it does not exude the great italian lyrical tradition that existed like that that kind of died out in the 90s right even if it was pop music, you know the Italy of Albano Massimo Ranieri and Pepino DiCaprio you know those kind of entertainers are gone and I just feel that this is maybe the last ship to sink in that flotilla and I I don't mean to come out come out as the grim reaper but I just think it's emblematic
2: no you're brilliant you're absolutely brilliant I mean I I think that's what's been bothering me I mean look I'm a nostalgic guy right and so I if I have a restaurant that I liked as a young person, as a kid, and I don't go there for 20 years and they close, I am the guy who's like crying in my, you know, in my milk about how much I'm going to miss it. I love old things. That's part of my nature. But I couldn't understand really, and it's the reason I wanted to have this episode, is because it was sort of for me as much as an audience that I think probably shares a lot of these memories, I couldn't understand why it was hitting me so hard, because, I mean, you know, again... Uh, Nowadays, if I get to travel, it's about convenience, it's about ease, it's about scheduling. So I fly anything that I can into Italy. But the truth of the matter is, I've really been kind of emotional about this in a weird way, and I think you're absolutely right. I think it's, for me, it's sort of another another loss in the Italy of Gettone, and the Italy of Lieta, and the Italy of my youth, where everybody was dressed up, and it felt so different from the United States, and it felt... I mean, as much as I'm proud to be American, when you you lived in a place that didn't have a lot of Italians and you went to Italy like I did, you finally felt like you were home. You felt like you were amongst your own. And the world is so global now that what's even the concept of a national carrier? Most of these discount carriers that people use, you wouldn't really know what nation they came from. They're all kind of the same thing. And it's, you know, how much cheaper can we make the experience and how much, you know, Can we save you here and your your luggage is going to be on the next plane after or you're going to prepay to use the bathroom? And I mean, all of this like cost cutting discount airline stuff where it's just you don't even know what airline you're flying. It's whatever Expedia or Kayak or some other site spit out as the cheapest option. And Alitalia, I guess you're right, Pat, represents a world where style and planning and you went to a travel agent
0: and you book this thing and you're returned to a dress stop. You were dressed up. I mean, yeah, a- I, my cousins went on an airplane to Florida in 1978, and they tell a great story. They're like, it was like their first airplane trip, right? They're, they're like teenagers, and they have to put suits on, right? Because it was like, we got to get dressed up. It's going on an airplane, right? And I just feel that the yoga pants, flip-flop, backpack traveler is emblematic of maybe Virgin Atlantic, yeah. right? Right, Virgin Atlantic. Ryanair, I'm gonna go for next to nothing. All my clothes are gonna be in a in a backpack, right? It's that traveler compared to the Italian who wore who got, you know, who had to get their suit pressed when they got off the airplane. You know, the Italians living in New York, a lot of them here for business, whose husbands came home from their Wall Street jobs at twelve o'clock to, you know, rushed up to the Upper East Side, and they had a fully set table with China and Silverware, and their wife was dressed up and wore an apron and they, they had like an Italian, they had an Italian lifestyle in America, you know? Yeah. And I think that's totally, I mean, that's just gone. You know, Italy, yeah. Italy is now the country of casual, you know, as Rose says, vintage, even though they really don't understand that vintage means used. Um, <laughs> shabby. She, and it's just different. It's in Italy. And you know, I, I don't I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there were people who bemoaned, you know, similar changes in, Past generations I, I'm confident That we don't Own this But I think It's it's for us It's ver- for those of us Who remember Because I've said To people constantly If you went to Italy Sometime around 2006, 2007, 2008 For the first time You never saw The Italy that I saw Because that That was dead by then Yeah You know You saw a different country You saw a beautiful country But you didn't see The same country
2: I, I think you're really On to something I think that this is For me the passing Of a time in life And a place And a time in that place That I am just not quite sure I'm ready to let go of.
0: So it was a national airline. You were very articulate when you said you can no longer have a national airline because the world is too globalized for it.
2: Yeah.
0: Our Italian was the, st- I mean, I was on an airplane in Argentina. I was on multiple airplanes in Argentina a couple of years ago. And the Alfa is the is the national cookie of Argentina. Are you familiar with them?
2: Is that the one that's like a moon pie?
0: It's like yeah, the it's a, it's a, yeah. It's a dulce de leche moon pie, right?
2: Yeah, delicious.
0: No matter what you do in Argentina, you're getting, those, you're getting an alfajores. There's no, it's the national, it is the only dessert. It is the national dessert. That's mm-hmm. it, right? In the country where it's, it's, it's dulce de leche a million different ways. And I was flying around the country on the, on the airplane, and they would give snacks out, and everyone got an alfajores, and everyone ate the alfajores simultaneously and had the same crumbs on the, mm-hmm. the carpets. I'm sure that there's like a, nas- a special vacuum cleaner that they mm-hmm. use just for that. And you could see that this is a try. This is a group of people, and this is what they all eat, alfajores. And there was a time when Italy was very much Italy. And, you know, Alitalia had a pasta course because even if you overheated macaroni on an airplane is kind of yucky, just now you had to have it. You know, it just, it just had to be there, even if people complained about it. And that kind, that kind of world is gone. It was
1: always bad good, that kind of food. Like, you would always smell it warming up. And and at that point, like, you'd eat anything, you know, because you, you've been on a plane for, for a while. And, and it was like, you know, they're coming down, and they're like, oh, pasta of pollo, <laughs> And you want the terrible reheated airplane pasta. Like, you you yeah. actually want something about it that made you want it.
2: Even like Pat said, the alfajores, the cookies, right? Like, I remember, and, and this was even up until the last couple of times I flew it. Like, I, you know, instead of the peanuts, you'd get the tarali like a little bag of tarali or you'd get I remember they used to have a, a chunk of parmigiano reggiano in like a little vacuum sealed silver bag and in America you open something like that out of a bag you're expecting it to be awful but it was a really good piece of parmigiano like it it, it was it was Italy you know it was Italy from the moment you stepped into the airport even here going over to Italia as soon as you got to the gate you really did feel like you were in Italy
1: and it was great it was like Beverage cart always had like quinotto and aranciata and and wine. There was always wine. And I'll never forget the one time my mom and I got upgraded to first class. Only going to Italy, not returning. But it was our it was actually that was the only time I ever flew first class in my entire life. (laughs) Um, and I was fifteen or so. And I remember we're sitting together. And they did like the beverage service and the food service. And my mom drank like the little bottles of wine that they were, it was great. Like they were giving us all this stuff. It was, we had silverware. We had like glasses to drink out of. And my mom got like kind of drunk on the little bottle of wine. (laughs) And then like, she started like talking, like laughing, talking really loud, cursing. She was like uh, cursing in Pat, My mother is in first class, New York to Rome cursing in mole's on an Italian flight and then like the the snotty Italian like uh stewardess had to come and say ma, signora ma ti prega di di and like, eh, i eh, zitta and, and I'm like mortified and I'm like ma you're a little loud you're a little loud right <laughs>
2: But it was always loud on Ali, like there was always somebody acting up or
0: the most important thing about Alitalia italia that i never saw anywhere else was when the plane would land everyone would clap yeah yeah nobody else does that and it's and on the attack the fight sadly i don't see that anymore that's kind of died i feel alitalia died when they stopped the clapping when they landed
2: wow another bomb you're dropping that's probably true from a historical perspective right When they join the EU, it's like the Lira. This is really, you were spot on when you said it's the Italy of the Lira. As soon as you join the EU and the EU starts to regulate air travel differently and exclusivity, you know, don't forget, Alitalia as a state-run airline succeeded in part because it had exclusivity on so many of the routes to and from Italy. And as when Europe changes its laws, Alitalia has to compete with a lot of other airlines, particularly low-cost airlines. And, you know, Alitalia starts to die after September 11th, when things change in terms of international travel and you take a big chunk of that tourism away and, and then the economic dip in 2008. But you're absolutely right. It's almost like the, the corpus was there, but the soul was gone if they weren't clapping on
0: landing. I mean, I know I know a people in Italy that would only book Alitalia, even if the flight was more expensive. Totally. Yeah. And you'd say, because of the language? And they'd say, no, I just, I have to, I, I, it was almost like it was required, right? It was loyalty. But I think it was more culture. I don't know. They felt like these people get, a big part of Italy is these people get. Me. Yeah. I think that our friend, uh, Nick Fideli, I think would agree with this. I feel the last Italian national institution that hearkened to the lira is Alto Grill. Yes, you took. I swear, I was thinking about that as we are talking. And if you want to understand that country, you have to understand auto grill. Absolutely. And uh, do you want to explain it? Because there's people out there who have no idea what auto grill is.
1: Auto grill is the Italian, like the universal, the, the the national Italian rest stop. And like you know, like you you stop at a rest stop in the U.S. and maybe you got like an old Roy Rogers and a Starbucks and an Indian pretzel, but an auto grill. You have, like, a make-your-own-pasta bar. You have, like, you know, fresh gourmet sandwiches with prosciutto and mozzarella. And uh, what else does Alto Grill have? You have a full bar, like, a full yeah. bar. Alcohol, too. Uh, but you can get, like, coffee, you know, cappuccino, espresso. Something.
0: It's like traveling like a, a gentleman. Yes. The Italian um, it's the Signoria of Italy, the National Signoria Complex. Like, if you take Alto Grill, all'italia. The cruise liners—they all had a common theme. Even if you are a peasant dirt farmer, you can travel like a general. Yeah, and you know what—that what's to me the best thing about Alto Grill? I like menta frida. I know people. It's I don't know why I love it so much. And that's the uh, that's the mint. Uh... It's a mint syrup. A, a mint syrup put into a stranita. put into a sparkling, oh, sparkling water. water. Right? <laughs> why do I love this? To me, the best thing in Italy is to pull over to an Alto Grill because. We are the country of the Dunkin' Donuts 18-gallon coffee in a plastic cup, or a styrofoam, whatever you want to call a cup with a plastic lid that you drink out of your car like an animal as you're rushing somewhere, right? But on Gro, you pull over and you get a Minta Freda in a glass. Yeah. And you stir it with a metal spoon. Yeah. And it has beautiful ice that looks crystalline. And they serve it to you at a bar. You know the Italian version of bar, not an alcohol bar, but like a coffee bar, an espresso bar. And you stand at the bar and you drink it, and you could be at the King Cole Bar at the St. Regis Hotel in Manhattan, or you could be at the Ritz, or you could be at the Alto Grill. It's the same feeling. Yeah. You know, and to me, the Alto Grill constantly reminds me that there's a, that the, the flame of the old Italy. It's on life support. It's a pilot life, but it's still there. If Alto Grill went, then I would really throw in the towel because why when you're on a rest stop think about how americans they skive they oh rest stop it's oh you know there's no cuz it's kind of like you know right you just go where you got to
2: get but it's it's utilitarian it stops yeah. you from getting to a to b it's it's an inconvenience it's like you, you you avoid it you want to avoid it because it's it's dirty it's temporary it's utilitarian and it's actually inhibiting your progress which is such an american concept to you know get from a to b
0: but on an auto grill, you stand there at the bar, and if you're me, you have your Minta Freda, and it's a very hot day outside, but the Minta Freda is really cold. And you know, Italy, the country of the aesthetic. So what tastes good should look good, right? So and it's served to you in a beautiful glass with, with ice. That's beautiful. That's very nice. If ice could be beautiful, I always think the Italian ice looks better than American ice. With oh, that, yes. with that long Italian spoon that you stir, and you have an experience, and that is key to all of this it's key to the you know the uh, andrea doria and the Cristoforo colombo and all the other ships that that sailed in the 60s great italian liners they were replaced by alitalia but alitalia kept that feel you know think of the great you know and our dear friend in hoboken in particular whose father came here and be, opened a, a pastry business right because he made beautiful italian pastries on, on ocean liners so, you know, the ocean liner tradition of, of sumptuous banquets, right? It's very Italian to its core. And it, and it, and it and encouraged some of those people who worked on those ships when they came to America to open up eating establishments. Yeah. Where they had a very grandiose, in a good sense, a uh, presentation of their food. So to me, Alitalia is just like, you know, the la- like the last two holdouts, you know, besieged fortresses, where Alitalia and Alitalia is gone. And Alto Grill carries the flag, so. And it's not. The, I'm not coming here to, to condemn, but it's not the Italy. It's not the Italy that we all we all were in love with. It's not. It's not our Italy, in in a sense.
2: Yeah, you know, I think you're totally right. I think, you know, Alto Grill is something that I wait for when I go there. I, I pull over when I don't have to. You can stay all day, and uh, it, it's delicious. It's delicious food. You look forward to eating it. That's the Italy that I think of as my childhood Italy, the Italy of Figura. And everything being just so. Figura, yeah.
0: See, see, see. If we could be, if we could psychoanalyze your love for Alitalia moment. It's because you, a man who have such esteem for Figura,
2: yeah.
0: Alitalia was the airline of Figura, yeah. You know, you bring up because you, you, you're taking so many memories from my own head as we discuss this. I was in Rome by the Hotel Canada, which was by Stazione Termini, which was a very rough neighborhood. But I had to g- g- jump on a train. And this is the spring of 2001. And um, I said to the guy at the hotel, I was like, because I didn't back. Remember, it's pre-internet. Or in Italy, it's pre-internet, right? It's internet here, but it's the infancy of the internet in Italy. So I really had no idea where, where I was staying. And it was the hotel was fine, but it was the neighborhood at that time. It's cleaned up, I, I, I think, since then. So I said to the, the guy who was working at the front desk, I said, where can I eat well? Where can I eat like like really, you know, eat really well? And he sent me to a restaurant that was in this I would say, working class neighborhood around Stazione Termini, And it was Fellini, right? There There was a guy in a suit with a big tie, like from the 70s, and he had like Groucho Marx kind of hair come that was very animated, right? And there was a, a body shop, I guess a mechanic the street, and these guys came in for lunch, and they were dressed like in, in like overalls type things. And I sat down. I was there with friends of mine who I was in Italy with at the time. And the waiters all had on the classic Italian black pants with that white, Kind of button up jacket, John, and also you're gonna know exactly what I mean. It was almost like a priest collar on top, where it came across. They were no Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like that steward look from the old days on the on the like uh, the Beatles jacket. Yeah yeah, ste- yeah, yeah. On the and he came over and the plates. It was all '60s stuff, but it was all white plates. And you got 18 different plates and everything you ordered was on a different plate and there was multiple so where senora he he'd run over and he had you know he was serving you stuff and there was a card of stuff and antipasti it was, it was it was and I said to myself, I'm in a rough neighborhood of Rome. Really rough, na- obviously rough. And here's the guys that covered in grease and sweat all day, they're fixing cars, and they come in here and they're gentlemen. They're eating like senora, right? Yeah. The other guy here is I don't know if he was like a a, a, a makeshift intellectual with this, this huge, uh, Kramer, it was like Kramer on Seinfeld, the way his hair was, I'll never forget it, with this <laughs> tie and this jacket and he's gesticulating at a table, right? And he might not have had two nickels in his name, but he went totally dressed for, for lunch, right? And here I was, and I was, I don't know, I, I, as an American, I said, I don't know, I'm not supposed to be an extra in this movie. And the have treated them all like they, like they were signora, and the silverware and the plates and the glasses all matched that. Now, I think in Italy today, Italy in the, in the world of shabby chic, you have more of like the rustic. It's more of an agroturismo feeling. Yeah. The food is still spectacular, but the signore, signore, you know. And that was also, again, the Italy of Alitalia, the Italy of the Giotona, the Italy of the Freda, the Italy of um, Festival Albar, and the Italy of, of all these things. And globalization has kind of declared its death now on these, I think. And I, like I said, I don't. You can't. That's that's just how time goes. You know, I'm sure there was somebody. You know, there was somebody. If there was podcasts in the 1970s, there was somebody to be. Ah, the cruise ship, the ocean liners are going. Ah, oh, these airplanes, they'll never be with the ocean liners. Well, and they weren't. They tried to be. They they took the mantle, but they weren't. Yeah. But you know, and a, a young child today will never understand that because whatever comes after it won't have that same feel.
1: All favorites are back on Mediaset Italia, all the shows you love to cozy up on the couch with. Italian family favorites whipped up in the kitchen with Cotto e Mangiato. All eyes are back on the Grande Fratello Vip House with a brand new season and a fresh crop of contestants. A double dose of Maria De Filippi with the return of new episodes of Amici and Uomini e Donne. And the game show that puts you in the hot seat, Caduta Libera, and host Jerry Scotti will test your wits say Italia has all the best entertainment from Italy year-round. Call your local television provider and ask for the channel today.
2: No, I don't think it will. I think, I think back to, like, you guys know I'm like a big collector of all of these pieces of Italian-American history, and one of the objects that I coincidentally decided to buy myself for my birthday. I always, like, I needed an excuse to buy a piece of Italian-American history, but... Uh, I had been staring at it for a long time and it's this beautiful old poster from the 60s, the early 60s of three emigrants from Italy waving in front of an Alitalia plane big blue background and it says uh, we also go to North America with the special immigrant price Tarife Immigranti and I thought to myself wow, Alitalia in the post-war era wasn't just the glamorous Dolce Vita, you know, come see Italy in the 60s. And it was also a route for a lot of people to a better life. And like us, it was a route and a carrier for a lot of people back to this homeland, this motherland, and and for many of us for the first time. And as much as the Italy of the Gettone and the lira is gone is as much as the Italy of mass emigration, of course, Italy's still suffering from a problem with brain drain and immigration, but it's a different kind. Um, You know, we as a community are moving further and further away from the last generation of mass immigration that came here in the post-war and integrated into our community. So, you know, the people like you, Ro, whose parents are born in Italy, that's becoming less and less prevalent. So there will not be that many people coming to the United States on a national carrier, even if ITA brings them here with this sense of I'm moving to a new world that's far, far away. Because if you come here now as an immigrant and you don't like it, you can go back. You know what I mean? The world is so shrunk. So I think as part of the Italian-American experience, Talia filled a role after the end of the great steamships that will never need to be filled again. And I think I, I've been really conscious about that, what it means in terms of Italy and its immigration and its diaspora around the world.
1: You know, uh, it's like... Feeling like, uh, you know, you're one of the kids that the last kids that grew up without a cell phone or without the Internet. It's like this new generation won't understand the significance of Alitalia and what it meant to, you know, especially my my grandmother who, you know, came here on Alitalia. That was what bridged the gap between these two worlds.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, you want to hear a funny Alitalia story? Always. Yeah. Ali Tai invented limoncello. Stop. Huh? Ali Taya invented limoncello. Okay, Pat. <laughs> you got to clear this Al- up for me. I don't you mean- want to go into That's the a- ring with this one, Ro? I'm going to tell you <laughs> what happened. I'm listening. The Massa family of Piano di Sorrento, which was a noble family. Uh,
1: uh, okay, yeah. Maybe. The south
0: of Italy produced cordials, which limoncello is basically. Of every digestivos, whatever you want to call them, fruit-flavored ones. So when cherries were in season, you made it from cherries. This time of year, you'd make it out of fennel, uh, wild fennel, walnuts, every flavor, oranges, lemons, the whole nine yards. But Sorrento did not particularly make limoncello. That was not their anchor product, right? But the Massa brothers decided from their lemon groves in in Sorrento, because Sorrento is famous for citrus fruits, its lemons in particular, the Massa brothers began to produce in the early 80s limoncello for commercial sale for the tourist industry in Sorrento. And they wanted to expand their business, really blow it up. And at that time, really, limoncello, limoncello was not a, it really, I mean, I've asked people in di Sorrento this. They don't, they don't remember growing up with a lemon cordial, right? They grew up with New Zealand. They grew up with a walnut one. But, you know, you could have. You made it out of all different fruits. The Massa brothers were able to get their, I don't know what you would call that, small shot size bottle?
2: Yeah, travel size, I don't even know.
0: Right, to their friends on Alitalia. They were able to get that to be served on Alitalia. And the popularity of Limoncello and their brand in particular, Villa Massa, exploded. Wow. Because of a friend they had, it was being, and so this is the story that I've often heard, it began being served on Alitalia. And that's what brought the world Limoncello.
2: That is amazing. I had no idea. It makes a lot of sense, though, because you're right. This is not, that's not the that's not, you know, it is. I mean, of... it's
0: become so now. I mean, Lemoncello yeah. is 100 percent a Sorrento product. Now, it wasn't in, in in the late 1970s, but in the early 1980s, yes, it was Alitalia that brought Lemoncello to the world.
2: And that's the power of Alitalia's control of these routes to and from Italy and the power of its brand and the power of the figura that it brought to everything. If it was on Alitalia. It was the, it had the imprimatur of Italian class. And, and that's, that's what's going to be missed for me.
0: I think that's what you and I, I think all of us missed that. That was one of the things that always impressed you better was class. Yeah. You know, like I say to people all the time, like, you know, we're a casual country. You know, we've become that. We weren't in the 1960s, but we're a super casual country now. So we're the country of you go over somebody's house and you give them a red, we're Red Solo Cup America, right? That's become our new emblem. Yeah. But still in Italy, in the South. I mean, it's dying. It's a dated concept. But you go over someone's house, you get a cordial and a beautiful glass yeah. in their museum dining room that they only use for special occasions. you know. <clears throat> and we talk about that so often on that show. But that concept really was on our Italia because you were a guest on the airline, even though you were paying for it. So you were treated with that signorial type of respect. And yes, you're, you know, you got your beverages in real glass. And your meals on real China, even though if it was in a little bit tight compartments and maybe it wasn't the best meal you ever had, but the silverware was real silverware, at least stainless.
1: Yep.
2: You're absolutely right. And I, ha- I have some of it. That's yeah. my part in the downfall.
1: I think we all have some of it.
2: I think you're
0: right.
1: Pat, how much Ali you, silverware you got?
0: I have nothing. I would never be a kleptomaniac and take stuff that didn't belong to me. <laughs> well, or back to can- mother. And none of us would ever do that and confess it on a podcast to be taped <laughs> and kept on a file somewhere forever to be brought up again. And I'm sure I'm sure none of you ever took any of that stuff either. Am I correct? No,
2: I no, it's all given to no, me. No, no.
0: You thought you took it. Am I correct? Because you, I mean, you're right. The, you,
2: it was a parting gift.
0: No, no, you don't have any. I mean, if you 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 bought it online, <laughs> you are kind of an accessory to somebody else's cup, manias. So I'm sure that there's no Alitalia stuff in any of your houses. No cups or silverware or anything from Lufthansa or B.A. None of it is there, right? Am I correct with that? Who wants the
1: stuff from Lufthansa?
2: Uh. Exactly. Who Uh, wants the stuff from Lufthansa? I'm sure
1: there's
0: a German-American podcast somewhere where they talk about, you know.
2: How great the strudel is on Lufthansa? How how great the strudel is on Lufthansa. (laughs) (laughs) May- <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. That's true. You're right. Maybe
0: we should. Maybe we should call cool up both times. Yeah, who knows?
2: Maybe there's some German Americans who have flown to Italy and all Italian. And they're like, "What are these people talking about? This food? It was terrible." But for us, it was it was home.
0: When you went to Italy in the age of the lira, the Italy of the lira, it was your first step on the journey. So when you got on that plane, and the gates closed. If you were in Kennedy Airport or North Airport or whatever airport you were in the United States, I would guess if in North America for that matter, when you got on that plane, you were already in Italy. Yeah because the change happened. like that was your first look and when, it wasn't just your first look at the journey, it was your first taste of Italy. Totally. And so when you sat in the, the, your, your chair, thank like for me, you put on the headphones, you'd find the San rambo channel. Now you were in Italy. Now you just had to physically get there, but you were mentally already there. And the people around you, for the most part, were mentally already there. I think that's why we mourned this so much.
2: I could not have said it better myself. That's exactly right. From the moment they closed that door, yes, we had a journey ahead of us, but I was already in Italy.
0: And uh, I'm so glad we had this positive. <laughs> While wow, we're such a happy go lucky 18 months. Yeah, but it, it's nice to reminisce sometimes too. You know, I think the
2: people that have gone through this who've experienced the I'll tell you, Journey, I think that they'll reminisce with us and understand just how much it meant. And it's nice to have this conversation with friends to sort of put a finger on where those feelings come from because you're absolutely right. The moment you close that door, you were already in Italy. And I hope the next airline, ITA, has all the success in the world, and I hope they can replicate at least that that sense of Italianità. So,
0: and if they want to give us free tickets.
2: <laughs> to test it out. Yeah, you're right. That's true.
0: Number one, I guarantee you, John and Ro will not take any of your silverware. <laughs> no, nor will I. So if you go on with 500 spoons, we're going to you're going to when we walk off, you still have 500 spoons. <laughs> so so please, if you want to send us tickets, I'm sure you're not listening. And even if you did, you wouldn't send us anyway, because if you're an Italian airline, you think you don't need us because that's Italy. <laughs> but we'd be happy to go on your airplane and to review it. And if it doesn't feel like I'll we won't tell anybody.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll lose the episode.
0: If we get the free trip we will say, "Oh wow, it's just like Alitalia."
2: <laughs> so we'll
0: even say we paid for the drinks with Lira.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, that is true. I, I, I if anybody's out there listening from ITA, we're we're here to uh to be the first uh, online reviewers. We'd love to do it.
0: <laughs> I was going to say we were going to be your guinea pigs, but that would be considered a racist slur <laughs> on an Italian American podcast. Yes, you can't. So, say we that. can't say we'll be your guinea pigs. <laughs> we'll be your testers, your tasters, your lab rats. Your lab rats. Yeah, whatever you want. Your- we'll all go. You call us up. First class would be preferable, but you know, you take what you can get.
2: <laughs> That's so true.
1: We'll go in the cargo.
2: Yeah, we'll take anything we can get. We just want to be back in Italy. All right, before we go, I could not have an episode like this without asking for this. So Ro, would you sign us off for all of our listeners? A big goodbye as uh Rosella Rago alitalia stewardess
1: oh boy i hope i could do it without messing up
2: that's the power of editing
1: okay let me see let me see buonasera e benvenuti Alitalia volo 0485 new york Fiumicino. vi preghiamo di allacciare le cinture di a sicurezza e gentilmente non vi aspettate che saremo molto nice con voi infatti saremo un po' nasty ah anzi non rubate le posate perché sapete chi siete Grazie, grazie per aver scelto l'Alitalia. Ci vediamo di nuovo. Arrivederci.
2: (laughs) I'm going to miss those. I am very, very much going to miss those. Ro, thank you from all of us for giving us one last great memory.
1: (laughs) You're welcome.
2: And if I ever miss Alitalia, I'm coming to you. So I hope you guys have enjoyed our little requiem for Italy's national airline, Alitalia, from 1947 to 2021. A great piece of an Italy that has uh, has changed and evolved over the years, but one that we all love very, very much and has contributed a lot to bringing us to this path in life and really to this show. So, from all of us at the Italian American Podcast, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.
0: Dun 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 dun